glory. Thank God for the love of Jesus. me say that I don't criticize the Bible, I don't criticize um, words that are there, I read a lot of commentators they say well a better word, a better rendering it should have been worded this way or this no it's worded just exactly the way God wants it worded and, uh, and he put the words in here and broke the chapters and verses the way he saw fit I'm not going to read uh, those last three verses in chapter 52 but they realistically they go with 53, let me say this again I say this often that um, do not let the chapters and verses throw you off on what the Bible is telling us. Uh, remember, uh, the only reason chapters and verses are here is so I or someone else can tell you where to turn. Otherwise, you say, turn to the book of Isaiah about three quarters of the way through. Uh, we'll all take about 20 minutes to find the same place. And that's realistically what it would be. So that's the only reason chapters and verses are in the Bible. Just because the chapter and verse is there doesn't mean the subject has completely changed. It's not that way. It is just an organized, very organized, uh, live uh, book that is alive to give us guidance and to help us guide us where we need to be in the Bible. That's why they're there. So Isaiah chapter 53, is everybody there? All right, this is a kind of a Thanksgiving message. Uh, I asked God to give me something uh, to... Help us to be thankful, to realize our thankfulness in our life. And let me challenge you to do something. Uh, I appreciate people who, uh, the month of November, every day they find something to be thankful for, and I want to encourage you to do that. That's good. I know uh, Cindy is really good about that and put that out. But wouldn't it be good if starting at January the 1st, if everybody wrote down something you could be thankful for that day every day of the year you could be thankful to God for I'm quite certain you could do it uh, we got an unlimited supply of things we're thankful for and going to heaven is my number one uh, being saved is the greatest thing that you could ever say the greatest words that roll off your tongue is I'm born again Christian I'm saved and I know that I am Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1 everybody there then I asked that, didn't I? Who shall, or who hath believed our report? Notice this is, these are questions. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And we, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and he and we esteemed him not. If you haven't figured this out yet, this is prophecy of Jesus Christ. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our people upon him and with his have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way.
opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is done. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Wow, what a verse that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again, God, for your word. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the plan of salvation. I thank you for your love that you loved us with and with and proved that on the cross of Calvary. God, it's so easy to tell somebody that they love someone, but God, it's a different matter to show it. And God, you've showed it to us so clearly, so evidently through Jesus Christ. And God, we're so thankful for that. Without him, would have no hope. This morning's Sunday school class, it was mentioned. As Morgan said, imagine if there was no way to get forgiveness of sins, if there was no um, remedy for the forgiveness. God, I couldn't imagine what a life that would be like. But Lord, I thank you that we have that. And I pray this morning, God, you give me the words needed. Father, I'm not anything. I'm not anybody. God, you're everything. And how in the world you let us take part in this, I'll never know, but I thank you for it. Touch the hearts of each one that are here. Holy Spirit, I need you this morning. Every message is bigger than I am. It's all you, Jesus. Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I read this, as I said, if you've never read Isaiah 53, I strongly encourage you to get very, very familiar with this passage of Scripture. It is, along with Psalms 22, the greatest descriptive detail that we have of what Jesus Christ went through, of what he suffered. Times I'll say it again, that we do not have a clear picture of what Jesus looked like. We don't know for sure what he looked like. If you want the clearest picture, it's found here in Psalms 22 and in Revelation chapter 1. But it doesn't tell us if he had black hair, gray hair, white hair. It doesn't tell us if he had... Uh, if he was uh, six foot seven or five foot four, we don't know. And so let me go ahead and throw this in there and chase a rabbit real quick as we get started. Um, I have a couple shirts and a tie with, with the, like a picture of Jesus. I'm not real big on them because one thing the Bible says not to have any graven image before me. We don't know what he looked like. Uh, and I'm not big on pictures of Jesus. I'm sorry if that offends you. Uh, most of them were made by heathen painters, uh, just so you know that. Uh, and, and, and anyway, I better get, move on before I make everybody mad before I even get started. But, and I feel the same way about female angels. So now that I've made everybody mad before I even get going, let's move on. Uh, let's preach now, now that I've offended you. Not intentionally. But I'm just trying to explain to you 
that also, another reason I'm not big on images, and this was spoken by John, if you will, I've heard it said two ways, and I, I like the way John said he heard his dad, Brother Phil, say it many times, God is as big as you want to make him. I've heard Pastor Jackie say, whatever image you've got in mind in your head, get it out, because he's bigger than that. Our minds cannot fathom how great and wonderful God is. And coming up on this holiday, this Thursday, the holiday of Thanksgiving, which realize this is an American holiday, it's not a worldwide holiday. Sometimes we forget that. And here we have Thanksgiving and what we had, the reason we have it is construed in most of our history books today. We're not really taught why, and I'm not going to get into all that. But it was because the pilgrims came here and they were thanking God that they had survived and it was a fellowship with the Indians and a time together to fellowship the thankfulness that God brought them here and they were still alive. The Indians helped them. Without the Indians, the pilgrims would not have made it. Realize that. But here, uh, let's go through this. With God's help, I want to preach you some things this morning we could be thankful for. There's so many things. But one thing I want to tell you as I get started, be thankful for Jesus. If you've got nothing else to be thankful for and you feel like in your life at this time, you can always be thankful for Jesus. No matter how bad life gets, no matter how troubling it may be, no matter how broken, sick, uh, uh, mangled you, you may be, I can still thank Him. I can still lift my voice to Him and praise Him because I know that this is the worst I'll ever have it. I know that this is my hell that I'm suffering now on this earth. I'm going to heaven one day. I'll forever be with Him and there'll be no more uh, lies and deceit. Poor kids been taught so many crazy things today and allowed to do things that's unspeakable and unimaginable and people living uh, like hell, if you will, and it's celebrated rather than shamed. But I'm thankful for Jesus. Verse one, he says, who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is Jesus and he's been revealed to everyone on earth. At the time this was written, it was written to the Jews and it was clearly, clearly delivered to them and revealed to them that they rejected him. In verse two, it says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Thank God he came from a place that was dry and barren. He came to give life and he came as a tender plant, a meek and lowly and humble. Thank God he was willing to do that. And say so he had no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, people didn't look upon him and say, wow, look what a man. Wow, look what a statue of a man. That's not what this is saying. It was the exact opposite. I believe he was a common looking man just like you and I. So number one, thank God he was despised. Or I mean, no one desired him for you and I. I can be thankful today that Jesus can relate me when I say Jesus no one desires to be around me no one desires uh, my help no one desires this thank God Jesus can say I know what it's like to be undesired I'm thankful for Jesus he said there is no beauty that we should desire him sometimes in in our society, we place so much emphasis on the way people look and too little emphasis on the way they act and what they are. It is a shame. We have lost sight of what real beauty is in America and other places of the world. But thank God Jesus was rejected for you and I. Thank God he desired me and you. I can be thankful for Jesus today. 
The world may not have desired him, but thank God he desired us and I desire him. Thank God he knows what it's like to go without and be dejected and be rejected. Hey, he understands. We can be thankful for Jesus. Verse 3 says, he is, I got ahead of myself there a minute. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You want to uh, sometimes want to throw our uh, fists up at God and say, God, you don't know what it's like. Why are you doing this to me? Why am I suffering so? Why is this happening? God can look at you and say, have you read Isaiah 53 and verse 3 about my son? He is despised. He wasn't just disliked. He was despised. Could you imagine going through life and everywhere you go, people hated your guts. That's what he felt like at times. That's what he went through. I don't know all the emotions that Jesus may have experienced. We see about some of them. I'm not sure he suffered a depression. I'd say if anybody ever came close to it, I'd say he did. He was a human being. And let me read on. <clears throat> Said he was rejected of men. You uh, you can say, well, I don't know what it's like. Uh, I've, you know what it's like to be rejected. Or sometimes we complain to God. Yeah, he does. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we and listen. He didn't just say he visited grief. He was acquainted with grief. That means he stayed there some of the time. That means the grief was a part of his life. Do you realize? As I said before, everywhere he went, somebody was there, sticking their finger in his face, criticizing him for what he was doing. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted you and I have been chastised by God if you've been saved any time at all you've experienced chastisement could you imagine smitten of God and afflicted he carried our he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows in other words he took them up for us and he carried them number two he was despised for us you, you can look and see sometimes that you feel like people doesn't like you. Somebody rejects you. Somebody stabs you in the back or does you wrong. And you say, man, that sure was despisable. Imagine being despised. And he carried all this for you and I. He done this for us. Thank God for Jesus. I can be thankful for Jesus. If I've got nothing else, I can be thankful for him. If there was ever a man that was ever acquainted with grief and sorrow, it was Jesus. And as I read verse 4 again, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You know, I, I think about it this way. Uh, Peter tells us that we can cast our care on him for he cares for you. And at times, we go to the, to the throne room in Hebrews 4. It tells us that we have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin that we may come boldly to the throne of grace to find grace and help in time of need. Do you realize that when you come to him and you're sorrowful, you're broken, you're you're in shambles. You say, Jesus, I need some help. He'll say, I know how you feel. I carried your sorrow. I know exactly how you feel. I was there. I've been there. I carried it before you even got it. Think about that for a minute. Before the morrow even comes and you don't know what tomorrow holds, he's already been there. He's already lived that. Thank God I can be thankful for Jesus. I'm going to have much else to be thankful for, but I can sure be thankful for him. 
I may get done wrong in life. You may get broken in times. And you may get stabbed in the back or, or this or that or, or whatever it may be. But thank God I can be thankful for Jesus because he knows what it's like to be despised and carry our sorrows. Let me read on. He was wounded for our transgressions. You know, he never done a thing wrong and took the awfulest beating that ever was for you and I. He was bruised for our iniquities. It's because of my sins he was bruised and your sins. It wasn't anything he did. The chastising of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Let me pause right here just for a minute. And I don't want to make anybody mad. I'm not trying to do this, but I've heard this verse quoted. It's also, we find it in Peter, that it says, by his stripes we are healed. Let me explain something to you. This is talking about spiritual healing, not physical. I've heard it quoted and interpreted as people interpret this as so, but it took his stripes to heal me. No, it did not. Let me say something to you. This flesh is not redeemed. Jesus did not have to die to bring healing to you and I. You want some examples? The Bible says that the world will not contain the books. If everything was written down that he did in three, three and a half years, he healed everybody coming and going, and he never died one time. Amen. That's right. It's not physical healing. If you want to apply to that, that's fine. It doesn't do it injustice, but don't you interpret it that way, and don't listen to anybody that does. Turn them off. Now I'm going to go back to preaching. Well, I kind of was. He says, by his stripes we are healed. Huh. Spiritual healing. I needed spiritual healing. <laughs> There's times in my life I need physical healing. There's people I know that does, and I don't know why some get it and some don't. I don't understand that. I, 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 I got to hurry and not get bogged down here. But I looked, there was two dear people in my life that at the same time needed healing. I had Rachel Vance who here was fighting for her life with cancer and I had Tanya Justice here who was fighting for her life with the brain aneurysm and I said, God, is either one I'm going to make it? As far as I know, Tuesday, Tanya is supposed to go home. That's a miracle, folks. A week ago, this coming Tuesday, Rachel also went home. She didn't go to Bradley, West Virginia, just outside of Beckley. She went into the arms of Jesus. And I don't know why things work out that way. But I'm telling you now, I'm thankful I can be thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful we've got a hope beyond this world. I've got something this world can't give me. They can't take it away. The government can pass whatever laws they want to. A federal judge can outlaw public prayer if he wants to, but he cannot take prayer away from me. He cannot separate me from God. I'm telling you now, the day's coming if this world stands. God is going to put his fist down on this country, and we're going to see times like you and I have never seen. Yes, we're going to be affected by it too, but I believe there'll be a time where people find out just who Jesus is and who's in charge. And I don't care what kind of green laws they want to pass. I don't care what kind of windmills they want to build or what they want to do. It will not change a thing until we turn to God. He's the one that controls this. We don't. Why? Our thick-headed people cannot see that. I don't understand that. Passing laws ain't going to change anything. Pass at them. It's not going to help. Only God can fix this mess. 
And certainly no election's going to fix it. Let me get back to, let me quit meddling. Huh. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You and I have obeyed everything God, disobeyed, I mean almost everything God's told us to do. He said, here's my mark, here's where I need you to hit, here's my 10 commandments, here's my law, follow them. And, all, and, and, and nobody has managed to do that. Thank God I've got a Savior who said I can and I will to turn us back to the Savior. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is done so he openeth not his mouth. You know a lot of times I'm just as guilty as anybody. You and I want to stand up for ourselves say I'm not going to take that so easily. Jesus could have stood up in that mock trial that illegal trial said you're not going to do me this way the next person that spits on me you're going to meet a death like you can't imagine and he could have sliced him into a thousand little slices like that right there in front of everybody if he wanted to but he opened not his mouth. Why? Because our chastisement was upon him. Our sins he was burying, born at that time. He was going to take with him to the cross. Our griefs, our sorrows he was carrying. That's why he opened not his mouth and never said a word. Number three, he was distressed for us. No one desired him. He was despised for us and he was distressed. That's basically the same as oppressed. I looked that word up and I don't remember what it meant because I thought I would. But he was downed. Everywhere he went, people ridiculed him and made fun of him. Everything he did, almost someone was there to criticize. Do you realize that, could you imagine under the vice of God's judgment hand is where he came to. All his life, 33, approximately 33 and a half years, he knew he was going to the cross. He knew that day was coming. I don't know in his human mind, yes, he was God, but he was man. And I had some people ask me questions from time to time about that. There are some things that he voluntarily gave over to the Father and he chose not to know as a human being. But could you imagine living your life building up to the climax that one day the very purpose of your life is to fall under the squeezing hand of God's judgment. I think we can be thankful for Jesus. And finally, when that time comes, I thought I ever mentioned this in Sunday school class, Caleb Lindsay made this point, I thought it was phenomenal. Said in the, in the garden it looks so much like Peter and Judas was two different people. Judas kissed him and thought, man, Judas really cares about him. And Peter cut that guy's ear, cut the guard's ear off, and we find just a few hours later, Peter was cussing him, saying, I know not the man. And you look and you say, initially you say, man, here's Judas, he kissed Jesus, and Peter's cussing him. Wow, what a difference. Yeah, yeah what a difference, all right. Thank God he looks on the heart, not the outward appearance. He was distressed for you and I. He took God's judgment and he placed himself right in the middle of it and said, I will take their punishment. I will carry their iniquities. You place them on me. I will take care of them to the cross and I'll let God's judgment fall on me. 
That's exactly what happened. You and I can be thankful for Jesus Christ that one day, the day come, that he put himself right in the middle of God's judgment and said, I will stay there and I will live there for a few moments. I will go and I will carry the cross. I will die on the cross and I will rise again the third day to prove that God is satisfied with what I did, to prove that he has gave me a stamp of approval for my actions. Thank God I have what I need in Jesus. I can be thankful for Jesus. You could also say he was dejected for us. I thought of so many words I could have put there. Let me read on. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. In other words, everything he knew and loved and cared about, he was cut off from it. Verse 9, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Y'all know what number four is yet. There was no deceit in him. Almost every one of us, if we be honest, pretty much all of us, if you lived at any time at all, they've been something you've done somewhere to somebody that was deceitful. There's no use to sit there and deny it. So, preacher, I've always been honest. No, you haven't. You're lying right now. All of us, some way, somehow, somewhere, been deceitful in something. I don't want to be. I try not to be. I strive not to be. But I want to tell every one of you something and you look at me and look and listen to me well. You and I both are wicked to the core. We're deceitful above all because the Bible says our heart is wickedly deceitful. Who can know it? That's speaking of us, church. But do you realize Jesus was so perfect? Not one time did he ever try to deceive anybody, including you and I. There's a lot of these so-called gurus. And I'm going to bring this down a little closer to home here just in a second. I'm going to move on. I want to keep the focus on Jesus, not on everything else. Through the years, we've heard of these people. They went all the way back. Uh, and, and I know I realize I'm on Facebook. We've never gotten kicked off. This might get us kicked off. It's fine. I don't know what can happen from this statement, but I'm going to say it because it's truth. But we go back, you can go all the way back uh, to about AD 400. That's when the, the Catholic Church was started, the priesthood. That's deceitful, folks. There's no man can forgive you of your sins, pray you out of hell. That's deceitful. That's wicked. Then we find, we come a few years later, we find Muhammad. He was a, he was a child molester, a rapist. He was no good. He's deceitful. And people are giving their life for that. That's deceitful. A spiritual guru, if you will. And we can come down through history and find Joseph Smith, uh, the Mormons. I didn't know this until uh, I found out recently your sister mentioned that the Mormon church has one of the greatest suicide rates of any religion in the world because they try to live up to the standard that you and I can't live up to without Jesus Christ, without being saved. 
And we come on modern day, we got David Crash and, and all these guys in the last few years you hear about, a lot of them you don't hear about. Uh, I was watching a YouTube show one day about some kind of guru was on Oprah and she was interviewing him. He was talking about how wonderful he was and how wonderful his teaching was and how much he, were, he was helping people. Short time later, truth came out and he was doing the exact opposite. Now we got people who are blending in with the church. Amen. Let me tell you something. If there's a man or a woman that's asking you to follow them in any way, shape, or form, they are not of God. Amen. You follow that word of God. You follow what God's word says. You follow what Holy Spirit tells you. That is, that is deceitful and wicked to the core if anybody tells you any different. Let me tell you, as, as the pastor of this church, yes, I'm the pastor of this church. I'm supposed to be a leader, but in leading you to God, not to me. You don't follow me, you follow God. If you follow me, you end up in the ditch before you even get outside the church. And anybody else for that matter, Jesus has kept every promise he ever gave us. He's never one time deceived you and I He's never one time been a shyster. Said, I'll offer you something to give you something else. He's never one time said, I'll forgive you of your sins and turn around and rejected that. Not one time has he ever deceived you and I. I can be thankful for Jesus. If you've got nothing else this holiday to be thankful for, you can be thankful for Jesus. Let me hurry. Verse 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I struggle with this verse sometimes. You know why? Because I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm not going to take my son or my daughter and literally bruise them for you. Or anybody else. I had to point at somebody. I'm not going to do it. Neither would any of you. I'm not going to do it, much less be pleased by it. God was pleased to bruise Jesus for you and I. You say, how do you know? Well, I just read it to you from the Bible. That's how I know. He has put him, another reason I know is because it took that for our salvation for God to have a relationship with us. He has put him to grief. Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. Let me pause here just for a minute. Do you realize when God looked down in the crucifixion and saw Jesus hanging there on the cross, there are songs about it. He saw you and I. We are that seed. The church is that seed. Thank God. He looked in the middle of all that mutilation of a human being. He said, there's my church. There's my church. And there's this person. And there's that person. You see, church, that ought to motivate us to do more for Jesus and to love Him like we should and show that love is a verb. It's not a noun. That means we be uh, obedient to God. means we do what the Bible says. We come to church when the doors are open and when you can be here, not when it's convenient or you feel like it. That means that, you, that we pay our tithes. That means we do what we're supposed to do when you leave those doors. Your one thought should be, God, let me honor you and tell somebody about Jesus. That should be our thoughts. 
not follow the command that Jesus gave the one man he healed him. He said, see to it that he tell no man about me. The church will line the altars for that command, won't they? We'll line up for that one. We won't line up for the one that says go out and spread the gospel. I better move on. I'm, going, I'm meddling again. I'm getting back to pictures and angels and stuff. No, I'm not meddling. I'm preaching you Bible right there just now. We need to be that way. He shall see his seed, for he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. If you can't see that, you're blind, friend, that you can't see that God's pleasure prospered in Jesus' hand. Look, at for 2,000 years, the church has prospered, and we will continue to. They can do whatever they want. The church will not be stopped. You explain to me how in Nigeria, you don't hear about this in the news. It is considered right now possibly the most persecuted country in the world. The Muslims are killing Christians there left and right. They're slaughtering by the hundreds and yet people keep getting saved. Explain that. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. It puzzles me sometimes how God's satisfied now let's take it a step further. What I've mostly been talking about is the emotional and the physical part of Jesus. But I'm going to dig a little deeper in the emotional. The travail of his soul. Not the physical pain. This is who he was. He travailed for you and I. The Lord just showed me that. Do <laughs> you realize... That travail goes down into where we live. I don't know if it's the first time he had been that place or not. He sure went there at that time on the cross for you and I. I know that he was forsaken for you and I by the Father. For the first time in eternity, there was separation between the Father and the Son. They had been perfect, 100% perfect communion up to that point. For the first time, there was that disagreement. You say, what did he do? He did nothing wrong. He took our sins and it had to be that way because of that. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. <laughs> Therefore I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Do you know you've heard it said in Psalm 22, it tells us that his heart literally exploded inside of him. It was like wax, it had melted because of our sins. And he was numbered with the transgressors and by our sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Number five, he was destroyed and put to death for us. The closest that I've ever found in the Bible, if you look at it this way, if you'll allow me, if God ever been defeated, was on the cross of Calvary. But it wasn't a defeat. It was a victory. Amen. To the world, it looked like he was defeated. It looked like he was destroyed. But he wasn't. Amen. Now, they destroyed him as physically as far as they were concerned. But there, I'm going to add something else to it. <laughs> I can almost take a fit right here. I ain't got time to go into it. I wish I did. Our sins 
were destroyed at that moment. They were gone. God said, I've taken care of them. If you'll believe in me, if you'll ask me for forgiveness, I destroyed your sin so that you can have hope, you can have redemption, and you can have glory beyond this world. Thank God what Jesus did for you and I. If you've got nothing else to feel like you can be thankful for this Thanksgiving, you can be thankful for Jesus. No doubt there's people around this world whose life has absolutely been annihilated recently. I look at, I don't want to make it about this, I don't want to go on about it too much, but I look at one of the best friends I've got. And Brother Dale stood there, I believe more or less numb, the fact that his wife was buried yesterday. There's people that's had it way worse than that. There's people in this world simply because they're Christians has had their loved ones slaughtered, their homes burnt, chased out of town simply because they carry one of these. Simply for that reason. Do you realize we can be thankful for Jesus? You know what? He can look at every one of them and say, you know, I knew that day was coming because I carried that grief to the cross of Calvary with me. I carried it. I know what you're feeling. You realize sometimes, and I'm closing, sometimes we feel like our life, every day Satan wants to destroy our life. He wants to destroy you and I. The only way to quiet the church and to quit the gospel is to destroy everyone that's saved. That's the only way the gospel can be defeated. By the way, that's not going to happen. Not as long as the world is as we know it. There's a rapture coming pretty soon and everything's going to change in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. Thank God and I believe it's coming soon. I was talking to one of the smartest preachers I know personally and we got to talking about it. He said, you know, they're putting the chips in people's hands now. I said, they got a tabernacle already pre-made in Israel ready to be put up. He said, they're shipping red heifers to Israel. I said, they got a direct descendant of Aaron that was born in Israel. I said, everything is ready. They are already petitioning the government for a daily sacrifice. Understand, when it comes to timeline prophecy, you look at Israel and nowhere else. They are your timeline, not America. The the awfulness and the the, the filthiness of the sin of America is not a a precursor to the rapture. It is not a a revealment of when that time comes. There is technology that might be taking place that's helping that, but Israel is the timeline. And let me tell you, it is midnight, and it is the, the, the clock is ready to strike, and we are ready to go home at any time. And I honestly believe, I say this, I'll be more surprised if we're here by 2025 and maybe by 2023 than if we're not. It's that close. And anything you're going to do for Jesus, you better be doing it. You better be making it happen. Because it's not long. You're not going to be here much longer. Understand, you got him to be thankful for. He was destroyed for you and I and put to death simply because of our sins. I, he did nothing wrong. He did nothing to merit that. But he did it because he loved you and I. Shouldn't we give just a little bit more of our life?
to him than we do. Some of us could give just a little bit more than what we do. Let's be honest, church. Some of us are very selfish with our time and with our life. We don't want to give much. Well, so I got stuff to do. You gonna tell that to Jesus when you stand before him when I just read this to you? You gonna look at him and say, Well, but Jesus, I was busy. Where are you now? Tell me about it. What kind of answer are you going to give? Jesus, I want to spend time with my family, or I want to do this or do that. And he looks at me and says, I gave my family up. You are my family, and I died for you. I wonder what our answer will be then. Hey, folks, I'm, I'm here with everybody. No different. You got Jesus to be thankful for. Father, we thank you again for this time together, for this day. And Lord, I there's so much still going through my mind, but I know I need to quit. God, it's time. You've, you've stopped, Lord, and I don't want to go past what you want me to. And Lord, today I pray that you take this message, God, and you make it make sense to the hearts, the minds of each one that are here in whatever way you need it to. God, if nothing else, we can be thankful for you, Jesus. And, if, and maybe it'd be a good time just for... Uh, people, maybe the, everybody here, God, I don't know, whatever you want, Lord, to come to this altar and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did for me. I just want to thank you. God, I pray that maybe some people would do that this morning. I think it would be good, Lord, if we would just be willing to just thank you for what you did for us. And God, as far as I know, everybody here is saved, but God, I don't know that. Lord, most of all, if they're not born again, I pray that you deal with the hearts of each one that are here that maybe is lost. God, if there's any question, any doubt in each one, anyone's mind, God, I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you bring conviction on them like they've never experienced. And they'll recognize and see and know that they're lost. Let them swallow their pride and put aside all things but just you and them, Lord. Let them see just you, Jesus, above all. Let them see just you. Nothing else. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. How about this morning? Would you just want to come and thank him for what he did for you? We got so much to be thankful for, but we can always be thankful for Jesus. As we stand, we get a song. Page 366. 366.